Let's open our Bibles, Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2. Anybody remember what the uh, catchphrase was last week? Right on. I'm with him. I'm with who? You know, when you're trying to get in somewhere and uh, you really you have no standing to get in on your own, you got to have somebody, a big brother, you got to have somebody who's really important. I'm with him. And that's Jesus, of course, for you and for me. He's our rock, he's our fortress, he's our deliverer. And in him, there's victory over sin, there's victory over death, there's victory over the enemy. And in him, because we're with him, we're made alive. We were dead. And we're made alive. Now, the Colossian church, they were being attacked with all kinds of false teaching. A lot of this stuff is, is, uh, is uh, alive and well today. Mysticism, astrology, humanistic philosophy, legalism. For them, it was a Jewish legalism. And uh, one person wrote, you know, there are all these things, they were bringing them in so that you for salvation and to be more spiritual. And there's this idea that to be the part of the spiritual elite. Well, really, what that plays into is the flesh. The flesh loves to be religious. The flesh loves to take some kind of uh, credit, some kind of part. But Jesus really, in Paul's whole message in the book of Colossians, is that Jesus alone is sufficient. Jesus is enough. And as we put our trust in him, as we identify with him, not in rituals and ceremonies, we receive all the things that he has for us. We were dead, now we're alive. We receive that forgiveness. We receive all those victories that I just mentioned. So, this, again, the theme of the book of Colossians, this is the truth. This is the true reality. This is the real thing. Now, I want to ask you this. Do any of you, any of you watch any reality shows? Quote, I have to say, quote, unquote, reality shows. Why do you lie so much? I know you all do. No, I don't watch those things. There, you don't need cable to watch that. You can see Judge Judy. Um, this, is all, this is all reality. But you know, <laughs> let me read to you this. Somebody wrote this. You people sit there night after night. You're beginning to believe this illusion that we're spinning here. You're beginning to think the tube is reality and your own lives are unreal. He says, this is mass madness. This sounds like somebody working in the TV industry. The stuff that we see on television, there's no question that, that there's been a shaping of the thinking of those that are kind of tuned in to what reality really is. Because they tell you this is the reality. This is the way things should be. This is what you should buy. This is what you should wear. This is what the reality of life should be, the way we portray it to you. And I shudder to think about some of the underlying philosophies of these people who are writing these programs and these shows, the, the messages that they're trying to, uh, to get across to you and to me. The truth is, those shows are not reality. They're, they're, I think they'd be better off um, called, you know, unreality shows. Unreality, because they're not really reality. I mean, there might be some things that we relate to or whatever, but, but uh, some of these shows are like so insane. 
The question that I want to ask today is how do we find reality in our spiritual lives? How do you find reality in your spiritual life? Let me read to you a quote from A.W. Tozer because he kind of he kind of puts a different thought about this. He says, in the average church service, right, the most real thing is the shadowy unreality of everything. Let me say that again. This is A.W. Tozer. He's kind of deep for some of us. Neat. In the average church service, the most real thing is the shadowy unreality of everything. The worshiper sits in a state of suspended mentation. A kind of dreamy numbness creeps upon him. He hears words, but they do not register. He cannot relate them to, them to anything on his own life level. It does not affect anything in his everyday life. He is aware of no power, no presence, no spiritual reality. Boy, what a statement, huh? I mean, he's kind of hard-hitting, old, old Mr. Tozer. But there's probably some truth to that. What, what goes on in our church services and what goes on in, in how we conduct things, is it really real? And is it really, and that's our goal, is to, that it would be the truth, that it'd be the reality and the reality that we express and that we not only just have here, we come on Sunday and we get all kind of, you know, spiritual, hyper-spiritual, super-spiritual, all these things, then we go home and, and, and it's completely different, divorced from what we experience here. That's what he's saying. And I think to some degree it's true. But not here, of course. Not here in our church. No, that never happens, right? No. This is total reality. You, you go home and you sit in front of a preacher every day and you, no. See, but, but the, the question is how do, we, how do we make it the spiritual reality? How do we know God's power, His presence, and, and we experience the reality well, the passage today, what it, what it brings out is the fact that the reality is found in Christ. Now, that's not, the world is not going to tell you that. Your television set is not going to tell you that the reality, true reality, is found in Christ. It's not going to tell you that. I hate to say it to you, unless you have some channel that I've never heard about before. Our reality, the true reality, is found in Christ. Not in religious ceremonies, not in rituals, not in some secret knowledge. These are the things that we're facing back then that, that even are around today. But, but the thing is, we like to do these things. We like to, to feel spiritual, you know, the, and, and, and you, you all kind of know you grew up mostly, mostly around this area. The incense has a thing going there and, and certain kinds of prayers, saying them in a certain way, in a certain order, in a certain number of repetitions. How many of you know what I'm talking about here? Most of you. Some of you, you know, learned that you had to wear certain kinds of clothes. Uh, you have to have a tie. You need to have a coat and you need to dress certain ways. Maybe have a, something on top of your head. Eating certain things or not eating certain things, certain times of the year, certain strange body contortions. We, we create these kinds of weird realities, but, but is it the truth? So let's get into the passage and see what Paul says, and, and we're picking it up where we left off in verse 16. He says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink 
or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Don't let anybody judge you. In fact, he's saying this isn't what, this isn't what reality is coming from, these things that you keep all those things. By the type of potluck that you have, whether it's organic or vegan. Did I say that right? I always thought it was vegin. Observing certain kinds of days and certain holidays. And you all know, of course, the word holiday comes from what? Holy days. So we had these holy days that we had to, and, it, and it, you know, if I keep the holy day, if I keep this and I do that, I'm going to be so spiritual. Right? Wrong. Verse 17. He says, these are a shadow These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is where? It's found in Christ. They were a shadow, not necessarily they were bad. And I mean, they they come out of the Word. A lot of them come out of the Old Testament. They weren't necessarily bad, but they were just a shadow of what was to come. They're kind of a picture, you know, of, of what was coming, which we know as Jesus Christ. The reality... The reality is found in Christ, he says here. The real thing, the actual life, is found in Christ. Now, some of you have a different version and it says their body. Well, the, the Greek word there is the word soma, S-O-M-A, translated, transliterated from Greek to uh, English. And, and the literal translation of that means the sound whole, W-H-O-L-E. So it means like the, the whole picture, the, the whole package let me read to you a few other different versions that, that spell it out. Uh, one, New King James says, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. The common English Bible, listen to this, the body that casts the shadow is Christ. The body is Christ. The New Century Version says this, these things... We're like a shadow of what was to come, but what is true and real has come and is found in Christ. What is true and real has come and is found in Christ. The reality is found in Christ. The reality is found in Christ. So if the reality is found in Christ, why would we want to focus on the shadows when the real thing is here? You know what I'm saying? He's saying shadows, those are just shadows. Why, why kind of get all involved in the shadows when, when the reality, the real thing, the, the true picture, he's right here. Doesn't make any sense, does it? But that's what we do. Why? Because we like being religious. We like having, you know, getting involved in all these different things. We like what the world offers, the flesh wants, these imitations. The reality This word soma, how many of you heard this word soma before in different places? There, there's really three different main things. Number one is like a, it's, it's currently like a muscle relaxer. It's a drug. Number two, in the Hindu religion in the past, there was this drug kind of thing and these weird things they did along with this drug. And number three, how many of you read that book? Year, I read it years and years ago, Brave New World. 
it was very popular, and like you're in college, you have to read it and kind of thing, high school sometimes. They had this drug that was called Soma, and it was a drug that they used to escape reality. Let me, let me read to you to escape reality. Let me read to you, though, what someone wrote about it. He says, the drug in question here is Soma, a hallucinogen used by those in power to subdue the citizens in brave new worlds, futuristic totalitarian setting. They kind of control people. It said, it is described as the perfect drug with all the benefits, calming, surrealistic, 10-hour long highs, with none of the drawbacks, no guilt, no hangovers. Said the citizens of the world state have been conditioned to love the drug and they use it to escape any momentary bouts of dissatisfaction. The problem, as one character identifies, is that the citizens are essentially enslaved by the drug and turned into mindless drones. No drawbacks indeed. Soma. This is guy writing back in the 30s. This brave new world, some futuristic setting. And yet, it was really an escape from the true realities that they were being controlled by those in authority. It was really an unreality. And I believe that, you know, it's not the same. We're not all being forced to take drugs, but I think there are different forces and different, you know, things that are being put across to try to create this sort of reality that isn't the reality. The reality is found in Christ. I found this quote from Woody Allen. You all know who he is. He said, in real life, people disappoint you. They're cruel. And life is cruel. He said, I think there is no win in life. Reality, Woody Allen says, is a very painful, tough thing that you have to learn and cope with in some way. What we do is escape into into fantasy, and it does give us moments of relief. Great. He's got a lot of answers for us, doesn't he? No. Just escape into fantasy because reality is too painful. Obviously, he doesn't know who Jesus Christ is or he doesn't know what Jesus Christ can do for us and who he is to us. The reality is found in Christ. It really kind of gets back to this whole thing, the, the, the context here about the, the, this thing is, are we in a religion or are we having a relationship, a real reality of a relationship with him? Or is it just some kind of a you know, ritual and things that we do? We can even do it in the evangelical church where you know, we, we even read our Bibles. We do it you know, kind of religiously, right? I, I read my Bible every day religiously. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. I taught my grandkids this. I love telling you little stories about my grandkids, you know. I told them, this is what you say. You say, mmm, grampy. And then that's when I'm trying to make them eat something, right? And if they don't like it. No, I say, mmm, grampy. And then if you say, mmm, zebby, I say, no, that doesn't sound right. You say, mmm. Graham, beep, like real high on the end. So you all practice that. 
What does that have to do with anything? I don't even know. It's, un, it's kind of unreality. It's just an escape into fantasy land for, for just a few minutes there to f get away from the reality of it. But we do, we do these things religiously, and, you know, we, we, we can have a, a Christian life that is just not even real. It's not real. I remember one of the themes from, uh, from Camp Keswick was keeping it real. You remember that? Keeping it real. We've got to find reality with our relationship with God. And let's be honest about it. Some of us are just going like, man, you know, I just, it's just not really happening. I'm, do, I'm trying to do all the right things. I'm trying to read. I'm trying to pray. I'm trying to be in fellowship. I'm trying to do all, but it's not really reality. And I think we can be honest with God about that. And we can be honest with each other and, and say, pray for me because I'm, I'm this dry patch now where I'm not experiencing what really I should be experiencing and what I can be experiencing. How many of you know you've experienced what you can experience and then maybe it's not quite the same? When I first came to Christ, it was like I was like on, the, on top of cloud nine kind of thing. I was way up there, you know, and then... And then, you know, there is a sense where we walk by faith and not by sight. And I'm not trying to say, you know, I never say that, you know, it's all about how we feel and it's all touchy-feely and all that stuff. But there needs to be some kind of reality of what we're doing. But, but God's Word says, and we have to believe what God's Word says, He says, seek me and what? And you will find me. Seek me and you will find me. So there's something about us seeking after him and be honest and being honest with him. Now, that doesn't mean we, we stop reading our Bibles and we stop going to church and we stop, you know, praying. You know, that's not what I'm saying at all. Sometimes we need to beat the flesh into submission, right? Not in an ascetic sort of way like we're going to see in a minute. But what I, what I do find is that what we do is, you know, how are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, hallelujah. You know, I'm so spiritual. And we, and we have this, this thing. And, and look what he says in the, in the next verse, verse 18. He says, do not let anyone who delights in false humility, the worship of angels, disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he's seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. There's this kind of hyper-spirituality thing that isn't even real. It's just like all puffed up. It's all air. You know, we, we, you know I saw an angel the other day, you know. Touched, I was touched by an angel, you know, or, or whatever. We get our theology about angels from a television program again instead of what the Bible says about angels. Angels are just, as uh, Hebrews tells us, their angels are ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. They're, they, they come to serve those that will inherit salvation, not to be worshipped. In fact, in Revelation 22, uh, John said, he said, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing these things to me. But he said, do not do it. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and of all who keep the words of this book. And, and the angel said, worship God. Worship God. We can go off into all kinds of weird sort of things. But Jesus is the only mediator. He's the only one. He's, he's the only one. We don't need, you know, angels. 
to get this relationship going. We don't need saints to get where we're going. We don't need people who, you know, try to put themselves in a place of of control. We need Jesus. He's the reality. He's the true reality. He's the one that we need. We need it based on what the Scripture teaches. We can go off on all these weird things, and then we get this superior attitude, you know, like, well, I'm just so better than the other person because I'm, all this is happening and all that's happening, but he has a bunch of hot air. Listen, are you really humbled before God, and are you walking with Him? Are you, are you really following after Him, delighting to do His will, delighting in His Word, delighting in worship, delighting in who He is? If not, maybe you need to say, well, wait a minute, what's going on in my life? I, I look like I'm really cool and spiritual. You know, I got the right haircut. You know, I, got, I wear the right clothes. I say the right words. I know all the language. Look at verse 19, though, speaking about that person that's all puffed up. He says he has lost connection with the head, who is Jesus. He's lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Lost connection with the head, missing the point, missing the reality. The reality is, is Jesus Christ himself. We, if, we, if we've gone off and we, we've missed that, that, that most serious, most radical connection with Jesus himself, what have we got? We've got nothing. We've got like, you know, clouds of smoke that will blow away and there's nothing left. There's nothing there. We've got to stay connected to the head. We've got to stay connected to Jesus. That's what reality is. It's not in the reality shows. It's not in what the world has to tell us because they say just escape. It's found in Jesus Christ to stay connected to him. That's what reality is. That's what the true substance is. That's the true soma, not the, not the imitation somas. The true soma, the true body, the reality is Jesus Christ. And it says it's from Him. From Him, the whole body supported, held together by its ligaments, sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. That's how we grow. That's what holds us together is, is Jesus and, and Jesus Himself by being connected to Him. Look at verse 20. He says there, since you died with Christ, I'm with him. To the basic principles of this world, why? As though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Man-made rules, man-made rituals. We, have, we all have them. We, we do things a certain way and... We come up with these things, but we need to understand that what's, what, what's really important is our walk and our life with Jesus Christ. We do these things to kind of, you know, earn acceptance with God. And, and that's why we sang that song today about, you know, from the inside out. We, you know, the human way is to work from the outside in. You know, make you really good on the outside. And, you know, you've talked to people who say, well, I can't come to church because, you know, I, this is happening in my life. I'm not good enough. 
And when I get it together, when I get, you know, everything happening, and I start doing the right things, the good things on the outside, then I can come. Well, that's not the way it works. That's backwards. That's upside down. We receive Jesus Christ on the inside, and he begins to work inside of us, and then the, the things on the outside start to change. When I accepted Jesus Christ, it wasn't my life was like all perfect. In fact, it was kind of a mess. And it didn't just like change and become perfect like within five minutes or anything, but something began to work on the inside, and he began to work, and, and things began to change. But, but did that, you know, did, is that all done? No, it's still happening. He's still working on me from the inside. Because I can't change everything on the outside. I can't fix everything. I can't change. I can't make me be something different. But as he works on the inside of me, things start to change. I mean, lately, you know, uh, I've been saying, you know, God, you've got to help me this worrying thing. I'm worrying about everything. You know, I'm worrying about this. And then when that gets changed and fixed, then I'm worrying about that over there. And then when that gets changed and fixed, I'm worrying about, you know, this over here. It's like someone said to me, well, one, one thing's out of the way. That gives you time now to worry about something else, right? <laughs> Won't mention any names. You know, so, so I'm saying, but that is that right? That doesn't sound right, does it? Yeah, but, but, but God working in me to trust him. See, we either worry or we trust. There's, you can't do both. We worry or we trust. And, and God, I believe the word of God says he wants us to trust in him. We pray and trust in him. But see, so the point is that I haven't got there yet, but it's something that for me I'm praying, saying, God, you got to work in me to, to kind of help me through this because I, I, I it's not right. It's not good. It's not healthy. See what I'm saying? But, you know, if I just go down to the bookstore and find, you know, how to not worry in, you know, three easy steps, and this is going to, like, make it all better, I'm going to read and memorize those three steps, that's like doing it from the outside in. No, i got to do it from the inside out by memorizing God's Word and, and asking God's Spirit to work in me and change me, that, that I wouldn't fret like... Uh, the psalm says, fret not. I wouldn't worry like what the flesh wants to do so often. That isn't God's way to work from the outside in. He works from the inside out. And finally, verse 23 says, such regulations, laws, systems, all these things, they, indeed they have an appearance of wisdom, with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. They have an appearance of wisdom. They look kind of good. Doesn't that person look so spiritual? This self-imposed worship, it's kind of really about the self, really, but worship really, really should be about Him. This false humility... Is there anything worse than fake humility? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Is there anything worse than fake humility? Well, you know, I've, I'm, I'm really pretty humble about that. 
you know, I've really, I've reached that status of humility. And let, let me show you. And you can get that, that voice, you know, the inflections and the voice. And, and you kind of walk with your, you know, face down a little bit, and, you know. At the, at the huddle we had a few, years, few, few weeks back, our, our speaker said, you know, he was at a church and, and, and you know, there, the, it didn't matter what happened, what was said, that the, the pastor was up on the platform and he, he would raise his hand and he would say, holy. It didn't matter if somebody was, you know, up there giving testimony how their life was falling apart. Holy. You know, we can do all these things. And I'm like, well, what is all that about? should be over there putting your arms around the person like what's this is reality what's going on here now with well, a false humility and the harsh treatment of the body this is the ascetic where the you know i beat you know my body we need to keep our bodies in check there's no question about it but did you ever hear about the monk you know he went to this this monastery that's where monks go and they had a, uh, it was a, a vow of silence, right? That they, you know, you get in trouble when you speak, and that's true. And I'm getting myself in a lot of trouble here today. So they could only speak every five years. You had a five years, and then you could only say two words, right? Five years, two words. So... This particular one, you know, he'd been there five years, and they said, well, what, you know, do you have to say after your first five years? And he said, hard bed. Because, you know, they're going to, hard bed, that's part of, you know, beating yourself. And So five years go by again, and they say, well, do you have anything to say? And he says, food bad. <laughs> so they go another five years. And they say, well, do you have anything to say? And he said, I quit. <laughs> and the guy in charge said, well, listen, you know, it's about time because all you ever do is complain. <laughs> he says here that these things that we can do, they don't have any value. They lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. They don't really make it better. In other words, in other words, they don't work. What works is God working in us. That's what works. Now it doesn't mean we don't we, we need safeguards around us. I think there are certain things we have to have safeguards built around us, being very careful, but but ultimately it's what God does. The real thing, the real true reality is found in Christ inside of us. God working from the inside out. You know, one is like a cheesy self-help program. The other is God's program. And I want God's program. I don't know about you. I want God's program to bring that reality in my life. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to, to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's going to take us to the finish line. But sometimes we begin well and then we say, Jesus, let me take it from here. Not a good move. Not a good move. How many of you have ever done that? Jesus, let me take it from here. You kind of sit, you know, over here and I'll drive for a while. It's not a good move. Paul says in Galatians, are you so foolish? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you knowing, 
Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? We began with the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ himself, and then we, we, we say, Jesus, you, you know, let me take it from here, and then we try to finish in our own human flesh effort. Not a good idea. Mess. Mess. So let me end with two quotes. One from a guy named Larry Richards. He says this, How do we find reality in our spiritual lives? He says we can almost see Paul shake his head, speaking about the things that we've been talking about. He says these aren't avenues to spiritual reality. They are detours away from reality in our spiritual lives. And then John Corson said this. He said, be careful, Paul says. Intellectualism, legalism, mysticism, asceticism. He says they're all snares that can rob you of your simple, joyful walk in Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus that we have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Right, right here out of Colossians chapter 2. Our simple, joyful walk in Jesus. We've got to keep it simple. We've got to keep it simple. It's about me and Jesus. In the end, it's about me and a relationship that I have with him. Is it real? And if it's not, talk to him about it. Say, help me out here. He's the only one that can change it. I can give you, you know, a few tips, maybe. You know, I can share my incense with you. And, and no. no, it's keep it simple. A simple walk with Jesus. That's really what he's trying to say here. The reality is found in Christ. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending Jesus for us because we are lost. We're desperate for you. We're lost without you. And it's only in, in, in our relationship, in our walk, in our life, simple, joyful walk with Jesus that we're going to find reality, true reality. Father, forgive us if we've looked in so many weird and wrong places. Forgive us for uh, trying to, to do it in our own human effort and our own flesh. Forget it. It's not going to work. We're sorry. And so we humble ourselves and we just stop and we say, Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, you are the one. You're the one that makes reality in my life. You're the only one that can save me from my sin, forgive me of my uh, wicked heart, and give me a brand new life. You're the only one that, that, that really understands what true reality is because the reality is found in you. You are the substance. You are the real deal, the true thing. So we just stop and we say, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. We just stop and we call out to Jesus, seek after your face. We need you desperately, Lord, desperately. Maybe there's some of you today that's this morning, you, you don't even have a relationship with him yet and you're looking for reality, looking for truth and now's a good time as we're, as we're praying to cry out to him and say, Jesus, I am lost and I need to find the way. I need to find what reality truly is. And I haven't been able to find it in what the world offers. 
And so I come and I say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me. I receive your life into, into my heart. And some of the rest of us maybe are struggling with this reality. Is my life just a sham? My spiritual life a sham? Just a kind of a picture of, of what it should be, but not the reality. And, and we come and say to you, God, show us, help us, that we might have that simple, joyful walk with you. Renew us, restore us, revive us, whatever it takes, God. We're just being honest with you today. Reality is found in you. Fill us anew. Show us the way. Show us where we're trying to do it on our own. That we might simply do it your way. No other way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing, shall we?